the intersection of reality and perception. Now, we actually didn't say that word during the podcast, but it has to do with um, Jessica Collier's master's thesis and a lot of the concepts we talked about, about color, how humans perceive color, and all these sorts of things. Greg, what a one, fun, wonderful time we have with Jessica. Oh, yeah, it was great. She has a big undertaking that she's tackling right now, uh, but it's an awesome idea, and I love it. I want to see what too. she can bring. And, yeah. of course, this episode of the podcast, something this advanced, this high level about lighting, Greg. This mm-hmm. can only be sponsored by one company, buddy, Kurtzon Lighting. Go to K-U-R-T-Z-O-N.com, baby, Kurtzonlighting.com. No, Kurtzon.com for Kurtzon Lighting. But, you know, Greg, it is apt that Kurtzon, specification grade, oldest company in the lighting business in the world, is sponsoring this episode. Yeah, they've been around a long time, as you mentioned. Uh, the product we're referencing today is a retrofit kit for 2x2 and 2x4 fixtures. So their fixtures are unique, and a lot of them were made fluorescent because they've been around a long time. So they have a lot of existing fluorescent fixtures that are Kurtzon brand. And now they have a retrofit kit that fits into that in a 2x2 and 2x4. And they also can fit into all competitors' products. So if you need an LED retrofit kit, Kurtzon's got it for you. In addition to that, they have partnered with Bio for circadian rhythm lighting. They're tackling that right now. That's something we talked about some a little bit today on the podcast. Uh, but that's an important part, too, that they are partnering there with Bio. They're going to be at the LED Specifier Summit in Chicago, November 13th. Um, we're not going to be at that one, but I know that's well attended, and they're a perfect company for that. And they have a website coming out with new products in 2020. So be on the lookout for the website. What's the website, Michael? Go to K-U-R-T-Z-O-N.com, baby. That's Kurtzon.com specification grade. It always seems weird that they get scheduled to do an ad whenever we have some high-level, important lighting conversation to have. And they belong there. That's Kurtzon.com specification grade. Check them out. And of course, of course, the National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors, where it all goes down. That's where you need to come. Biloxi's coming up uh, April 19th to 23rd. Biloxi, we haven't chosen a site yet, but we're getting real close. You want to be down there, folks. It's going to be a heck of a convention. Uh, a, co- a convention, yeah. It's not a conference. It's a convention. It's a convention. But for right now, Jessica Collier of the Advanced Lighting Team at Pacific Northwest National Laboratory on the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast. Welcome to the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast, Jessica. Hi, thanks for having me so much. Yeah, say hi to Greg Eric. Hello, Greg. How you doing? Good, Jessica. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. So the advanced lighting team at Pacific Northwest National Research National Laboratory. Um, mm-hmm. What is that? What is the advanced lighting team? Yeah, so I just started there a few months ago. Uh, so I, I came on as a postmaster's research associate. We are contracted by the United States Department of Energy to research and develop um, advanced LED technology for the nation uh, with, the, with the sort of primary goal of advancing the adoption rate and um, saving the nation energy in a place that sort of people forget about maybe or is an under, underutilized um, method of efficiency. So we're yeah, working on developing the technology to get it to a place that people find acceptable and then um, you know, just just trying to figure out what we can add to the industry to um, to sort yeah to help everyone understand how to use LEDs and where they're sort of best suited and what new applications could be for them and new form factors and 
uh, yeah, all all sorts of science uh, regarding LED the, technology. Yeah, are you guys the only lab that the DOE um, sources or hires to run these tests? For yes, for for solid state lighting, we are. They have other contractors that they use, but we're the only national lab, yes, contracted to do this work. Yep. So, it, so you're, you're calling it a lab. So is it an actual, like what I think of a, a lab is a bunch of scientists pouring chemicals. <laughs> We're talking <laughs> lighting here. So tell me, what, yeah, what yeah. Is it, how is it a lab? What do you guys do there? Uh, well, the office in Portland, we there is, is no lab necessarily. There is sort of a, a large testing area. We have um, some movable ceilings and rooms that we do some of the color experiments in and that sort of stuff as far as a lab goes. But um, at at the headquarters, the real, the real lab in Richland, Washington, uh, there there's um, a lighting metrology lab where we mesh, have been measuring um, like the L prize. That, that was uh, about 10 years ago now where Philips created a new replacement lamp. There are, I don't know, maybe 50 of them uh, still running and we sort of take measurements of them every so often. I can't remember what the measurement interval is to see what how their color is still performing what the light output is and just tracking performance over a long period of time uh, with a large batch of lamps. So most of the days we sit at a desk, but uh, there are some lab opportunities and there's a lot of other science that happens at the sort of broader PNNL. So many people are in labs. How many years has the Pacific National Laboratory been around? Northwest, sorry. Now you're questioning, you're quizzing me on, on my history. Uh, yeah, I just, I started about seven months ago. So I'm okay. still pretty new. Uh, don't want to give a wrong answer here. No, yes. that's fine. But how, how about the DOE? Do you know how long they've been part of that or the, that they've or, been? No, when, when was the advanced lighting yeah, team formed? Yeah, when was the, the when advanced was the... lighting team was formed maybe 15 years ago, 20 years ago. Hmm. Um, yeah. Huh. Interesting. Mm -hmm. um, I have a I have a question for you. You like your job? I love my job. <laughs> yes, I I did not know anyone got paid to do this, and I huh. am a, the biggest one of the biggest lighting nerds on the planet. So you have to have the I mean, I it's got a big nerd. This. It's a big nerd fest. Yeah. Today. <laughs> it is. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I got into this from my, my master's research and then said, wow, if people just get to actually read for fun all day and get paid to do it, then yeah, I'm in. So I do love it. Cool. So we, we sell light bulbs every day and uh, mm -hmm. we, try to, we try to add value to that by uh, getting people to upgrade to LED, but sometimes we just sell them light bulbs. Um, yeah. the, yeah. the, um, the actual tagline of my lighting light bulb sales company is the strongest in lighting supply, but the real tagline is, we'll, we'll tell you what you need, but we'll sell you what you want. <laughs> this is good. That's good. Yeah. So, but let me ask you this, uh, about your, your master's thesis on perception metrics. Mm -hmm. Is it TM20 or 30 I'm talking about here, Greg? TM20 30. or 30? Yeah. Okay. That's super confusing. Yeah. Yes. So, so yeah, my master's thesis in a nutshell was for, um, I, I was trying to make a sort of system that people who are not, not ready or not interested in using TM30 or just take it completely aside and say a consumer buying a light source in Home Depot or wherever, um, you can sort of create, I 
try, been trying to create a system that you can match a sort of combination of source metrics with, with words, how the light source will look. So if you're a consumer trying to buy a cozy light source for your living room, you can tell my system that, and it will tell you what, what light source uh, you need to purchase or what sort of numbers or metrics will use you could use to achieve that goal. So it sort of takes the confusing, or you don't need to know the definitions of the metrics or how they work or how they function. You just need to know sort of the visual goals that you want or even the activities that you would plan to do in that space. And then hopefully the goal is that, that what I'm creating would tell you exactly what to buy. And you would not, Can not I have use that? any poor expectation. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One day. <laughs> because, it, yeah, that, that's a, the real difficult part. We had somebody in that talked about the TM30 and what is it, the mm-hmm. three characteristics and the different charts and the R1, yeah, R2, yeah. R3. And Greg's Power a genius. That. Greg's a genius <laughs> and he doesn't remember so it. Yeah. I don't yeah, remember. Yeah, it's, no. it's hard. Tell yeah, us how. What? How can we sub that up, or what, what exactly are you doing to make it easy for people? Well, so, so realistically, I'm trying to build an app or a website or software that would go into um, home improvement stores. At first, I think that the consumer level is really like the ground ground uh, uh, issue here. The the point to my problem. Um, I think that. If more manufacturers would adopt the TM30 metrics and people saw them more often, sort of like within the industry, maybe they would become more familiar. So that's that's a sort of like double-edged sword there. Um, but I think my my sort of like first goal is to help the consumer here because they are totally left in the dark. No no pun intended. Ha, and, ha, um, ha, ha, ha. Just, you just get one. Literally. One pun. <laughs> yeah, well... We'll see. Uh, have, have literally no no information, um, and sort of the. I also think that the idea of like the two number spec is not not sufficient. So how the words or these visual qualities that I'm trying to match up could sort of package all those metrics into a single word or a few words. You could say it's clear, it's relaxing, and mm. it's natural that's so um, subject to interpretation though so let, let, let me yeah, let me yeah. ask you let me ask you let me ask you a couple questions so mm-hmm. your job first i'm going to make a comment that you may be in, 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 uh, in, uh, in um, undergoing the most complicated job on the planet right now <laughs> i'm not in kidding the lighting industry because <laughs> uh, here's the thing yeah. here's what i think i think there's two things i've learned in like we've done hundreds of shows just the guy that grew up on lighting podcast is one we do another show called light dead what i've learned from this industry and from talking to scientists and talking to researchers and people over the last um two and a half years is that we actually don't know what light is and we actually don't Mm -hmm. know what color is and we really don't even know how humans perceive it yes all true um yeah so yeah, all good points. I'm, I sort of found this problem and then brought as many people as I could in to look at look at lights. And uh, really, we just have to go on what the majority thinks. Well, you know, you can ask 100 people, 200 people, 500 mm. people, what is this light source clear? Is this light source natural? And these are the things that we're measuring in the performance metrics. But what, you know, what does it actually mean? And when you perceive the light in your own space, um, so all we can do is is use the majority vote at this point to sort of get started. 
the, the hope then is that as more people use this tool, you could sort of continuously refine um, and get feedback on what, what if people's expectations are meeting um, the reality after they use this, this system and just say, okay, uh, you know, is it, is it working? Is this, is this, we said this light source is clear. Do you think this light source is clear? Other people think this light source is clear. Um, but, but yeah, it's all subjective and it's all, well, what do you personal. mean? It's, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you mean by clear? Like, I don't even know what I would say is clear. What does that mean? I think yeah. a clear light bulb, but what does clear mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I would say that your, env your environment is crisp or you can easily make out the sort of edges of objects. You need, you need to have a semantics expert on your staff. You need to have someone who's oh, like yeah. a linguist and expert in semantics. Yes. Yeah. And, and then yeah, everybody yeah. has to mm -hmm. speak English when we're talking about lighting after this exactly. is all done. Um, yeah. Let me, let me, let me ask you another, like throw you another kind of conceptual idea before maybe we dig a little bit into the specifics of what you're doing. Um, what I, you know, you often hear, you ever hear the, you know, the sales rep line, the, ex, the excuse of the, of the industry or the, the, I hear this a lot in HVAC, geothermal. I hear it a lot when I talk to people in the geothermal business. I hear it a lot when I talk to people that sell solar panels and stuff like this. And they often complain that humans will never change. The problem with humans is that they won't change. And I actually think that's wrong. I think that's because what you're offering them, the benefits of it are not obvious, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's the problem. The problem is with you. It's not with the rest of the naked apes. It's with the naked mm -hmm. ape talking about what he's saying and everyone's like, nah, that doesn't look good to me. That looks like a scam, yeah. right? Or whatever, yeah. right? I, I'm not going to do it. But what we do know is that when humans see the obvious benefits of change, they will change extremely rapidly. So the adoption mm -hmm. of smartphones is a perfect example of that. The adoption of artificial lighting is a perfect example of that. You know, mm -hmm. the use of toilet paper and toilets is an example of that. So humans will change very, very quickly. But it has to be simple and obvious, right? Yes. Yes. And those yes. two things are absolutely imperative. Otherwise... Mm -hmm. Um, we don't get it. And I think that's the, that's the fundamental problem. When I was talking to Tony Esposito about this, I said, you know, I love the demonstration you guys did, um, mm -hmm. but it's complicated. And yeah. that's, un you yeah. know, even though when he explained it, I understood it for a minute and then I left and then I, I was like, oh man, what's that, the, this and that and the, the graph and the chart. How mm -hmm. do you mm -hmm. simplify this outside of the semantics? Like from a conceptual point of view, what is it that matters? Ooh, I, well, so I think what matters are is the the atmosphere, the feeling that you get in your space, the visual qualities. It doesn't matter what the numbers are, and that's sort of part of this is that uh, some of some of the light sources available to consumers today still don't have great metrics, you know, great performance metrics by the books, but they have a certain feeling, or they're able to produce a certain uh, environment that you want in your home. So for me, it's just all about connecting simply the thought of I'm eating dinner with my family. So I plug that in and I want a light source that will match that feeling. I don't want to have to think about anything in between. Um, and so that that hopefully is sort of a connection that I'm trying to make with with the light sources. Can what I, is this light, light source yeah, suitable for? Yeah. Has anyone studied the relationship from an anthropological perspective of humans to fire? Like, has that, has anyone, yeah. because there's something about, like, humans love fire, 
Like whenever you like you oh, ever yeah. have a fire, everyone gathers around it. People start talking. They mm-hmm. start having very deep conversations about the, their the metaphysics of life and their existential existence. They look up at the stars. They look back at the fire. Kids play with fire. Mm-hmm. They're fascinated by fire. You get some mm-hmm. fire in a kid's oh, yeah. hand, and they want to play with it, and they want to, oh, wow, look at this. I got a smoke stick. Woo! <sighs> right? They're running around with these burning sticks, and whoa, whoa, keep the fire in the fire, kids. Take it easy. Roast some marshmallows, mm-hmm. whatever. I think there's, to me, if you want to ask the host of the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast, I think there's something to the color of fire, and it's mm-hmm. it's it's infrared heat that comes out of it, and yes. that, yep. that that does something to humans. And if we if we knew what it was... It might help us understand our um, ele- electric light better. That, yeah, I think that's true. I think also what the fire has that electric lighting doesn't is that it's multi-sensory. You can feel the heat and you can smell the fire and you're sort of like in the presence of, of other people. And then electric lighting feels pretty flat now compared to that experience. Uh, the fire moves. Electric lighting is pretty static for the most part. So... Yeah, I, I completely agree with you, but I think that it's a whole different uh, beast at the same time, right? Um, but but certainly the, the feeling, if you were just to take a picture of a fire, so now you're only looking at what, what sort of color and atmosphere or environment that the light creates, um, maybe then you could start to understand what, uh, yeah, what any connection would be to the electric lighting world. Yeah, because there's something too, like... like... We live, we're almost like fish in an aquarium of light. And I've said this a few times, mm-hmm. right? We live in like, we swim in light, right? And, yep. you know, our light, our, our, our aquarium changes. The natural light is one color in the morning. It rises to the noonday. It mm-hmm. sets, right? And these are rhythms, right? They're rhythmatic mm-hmm. and they're daily you know, and they're, they're, they change. And, um, over the course of a year, if you live further North, you have darker times and you do things differently. And then that the secondary relationship is to one of fire. And then, so Mm -hmm. that's the, that's how we preserve the light and the warmth and the heat. I think if we understood that, what that relationship is and how it affects our, uh, I think it's evolutionarily biologists might study this or anthropologists or so, yes. someone yeah. like that. If they could answer mm-hmm. those questions, like what is it that about those rhythms and about fire that aided in human evolution and the, mm-hmm. the development of consciousness, I think we would solve all these problems. Yes. Yeah, I agree. But we still have too many light metrics at the end of the day, right? Yes. And, and daylight kind of doesn't or fire does not. It's all mm. about a feeling, I guess, at the end of the day, or this, yeah, this like deeper connection. And I, I think that you can't get that. I mean, I, I love numbers, but you can't get that same thing looking at the, your color temperature and CRI and say, okay, I know exactly what the feeling this, this light source mm. is going to give me, or even, or even TM30 metrics. Right. So, so, so I still think there's a, a missing link. You wait, you can lighting dork it up in one second. I want to ask mm-hmm. you one more question on this vein, okay? So, yep. um, the the the, CI, the the problem I see with the CRI metric is that yes. it's linear, right? It's like, yeah. mm-hmm. right? And then the yep. same thing with the Kelvin scale metric. It's linear. It's like this linear thing, and there's a point on it. To me, there's a four-dimensional part of lighting. 
Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. there's a texture. There's all maybe there's more than that. There's texture. There's yeah. with color. There's a texture to color too. And then mm-hmm. you know the way like I'm looking at these black sound panels on the wall. They're not just black. They also have like this texture of grays in them and whatever, right? And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. you know, there's there's got to be a way to encapsulate that. And you're looking for words like a word that describes that. Yes. Hmm. Starting with words. I I see all the problems with using words to communicate things. Words mean something different to every single person. Lighting will be perceived differently by every single person. Uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, for I started this as my master's thesis work. You just sort of have to dig in somewhere and see, oh, see totally. where you can go and where it takes you, you know. Um, I don't know if words are the answer, I, but... I think words are better than numbers right now. I agree. Um, but yeah, I don't, I, it's maybe, and maybe it's a, a new technology. It's a, I hate to say it, I'm against virtual reality, but maybe it's sort of that you need to put yourself in the setting to understand how to purchase mm. a light source. That seems pretty excessive, but maybe that's a way of getting into some of these uh, more sort of. Maybe uh, it's simpler. More, maybe it's more of an yeah. augmented reality. Maybe it's more of an sure, augmented, yeah. right? So like you have your phone and you tap an app mm-hmm. and you look through the camera at something and you can yeah. go, oh, that's yeah. that color, that's that color, that's that color, or that's that light source, that, that. Like it's more of an augmented mm-hmm. rather than a full-blown virtual thing. You just it like a, like mm-hmm. that Pokemon Go thing, you know, where they're like kids oh, are going yes. around or adults are going yeah. around in their cars like this. Um, yeah. yep. maybe it's something like that better. That would, would be the way to, to do it because people know it. It's like pornography and art. You know it when you see mm-hmm. it, right? It's one of yeah. those things like can't describe the difference, but yeah. it's hard to describe, but you know it when you see it, right? Mm-hmm. All right, Greg, mm-hmm. Eric, bring us back to the lighting dork stuff. <laughs> uh, Hey, this is in your realm, but the color can be sound too, as we learned at the IES mm. conference, remember? That's true. <laughs> he can, mm-hmm. you can hear the colors. So. Another thought. I'll tell you, you could have, there was a room full of 400 people, Jessica, Mm -hmm. and you could have heard a pin drop when he did that. Oh, yeah. Like everyone was completely, this is how green sounds. It's like, yeah. 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 Wild. Pretty wild. Well, he had the right audience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So in your in your work, you're, you keep mentioning performance metrics. So can you define what you consider performance metrics? Sure. Yeah. Well, I think all, you know, there's so many numbers you can pull out of an SPD of a light source, right? You know, the exact color temperature, you know, the distance it is from the black body, you know, the CRI fidelity or gamut, depending on what camp you're in on a given day, Um trying to advance TM30, certainly, but people are not giving up CRI. Um, you know, the output, you know, um, so many more. Um, but I, I mean, those those are sort of the core, core metrics, and uh, each of them sort of have their own definition, and we often use them singularly um, or, or in sort of the pairs, right? You either sort of spec CCT and, and CRI, or you now have the two TM30 metrics that sort of work together. Um, but really, when, so if you, the sort of definition, loose definition of asking someone about uh, the fidelity of a light source or the CRI of a light source is how natural does it look. Um, but a lot of other factors that go into making or manufacturing that, that LED 
uh, affect how natural the light source looks. Um, and so, go, yep, go ahead. No, yeah, what, what I find interesting about this is that you guys are funded by the Department of Energy, and I haven't heard any talk at all about efficiency or lumens per watt. Yeah, no, this was all done before. This is totally outside Hallelujah. of the now. Yeah. <laughs> this is just Hallelujah. personal work. <laughs> this is all, all done uh, outside of my job, yes. So this is just started uh, as my from school, and I'm, I've continued it on my own. So now I, I personally am not trying to drive energy efficiency here. Uh, I guess I am trying to drive LED adoption rates. So yes, that will. A lot of people still are not using LEDs in their homes or don't understand. You know, I, I put a survey out. What color temperature lamps do you use in your home? Knowing that I would not get any real answers, but that sort of is the only thing that people have to uh, purchase a lamp right now. You go off the, the CRI and the CCT. That's what's on the box. And nobody knows what they have. So how can, how, what, how does that work? Um, and maybe, maybe it's not a big deal to a lot of people sort of screw in, screw in whatever and, and move on with their day. Uh, but I just think it could be better. I agree. Yeah, a lot of the, a lot of the residential product doesn't even reference CCT. They say uh, soft white or cool white right, or daylight. White, right. Or warm yeah, white. Yeah, you have no idea what you accept. Like daylight is the rain. most unbelievably misused term I've ever come across. Like you yeah. say daylight, ah, that could mean that could mean anything to anybody. And Light, lighting people yeah. know is a 6,500K in T12. Right, yeah. yeah. But other than that, um, let me ask you a little bit about uh, the, you know, I just want to comment on that lumens per watt thing because it's just like, it's like a thorn in my side. You know what the problem with lumens per watt is, Greg? What's that? It's like being cheap. It's like nobody likes sure. someone who's cheap. I mean, you know, yeah, you want to save money and all that, but that's not all it's about, man. Saving money? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So all we want to do is save as much energy as possible. No, mm -hmm. that's not what it, lighting is about. Lighting about it is about lighting is the heart of interior design. So we, it's not about it. It's not all about energy savings. In fact, that should almost be secondary now or third dairy, or fourth dairy. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we've gotten to a point where we're realizing the sort of potential of the energy savings of LEDs to a certain extent. They, they are efficient, um, and we can absolutely make them more efficient, but there's also focus on improving quality still. Um, and that, that's, I mean, I have a design background that's sort of always been first for me, and I sort of think we'll continue to try and keep it at, at a high level of, of uh, importance in the work that I do. But um, yeah, I think there are also other ways to be efficient. It's about putting light at the right place at the right times or sort of um, it, it's not, maybe not a two by four everywhere that could not, maybe that's not the most efficient way to just throw light into a room. It should be more about sort of the crafting of the design uh, at the end of the day. That to me is efficiency, not necessarily lumens per watt, but being smarter about your design choices. So with where you're at right now and what you're developing, do you have a starting point of a list of questions that you can share? Like, here's how we're gonna do it, any of that? 
Uh, we have a sort of prototype web app that I keep using in all of my presentations, but I have a very limited number of sources in it right now to sort of match all the metrics. Uh, for my, my thesis work, I just used um, five tunable light sources so I could sort of go through every setting and, and that would be a different combination of metrics to analyze and study within the experiments that I did. So I have total about 30 options, but they're in five lamps. So you can sort of choose how warm or cool you would like your light source to be, um, how relaxing or stimulating you would like your light source to be. You can choose what activities you do in, in the space that you're purchasing a light source for. Um, and then hit, hit go and it would give you like a few options. And then some of the sort of more nuanced details, um, like distance from the black body, let's say, would shift either sort of pink or green. Um, so I have some sort of like language in your description that would then say, okay, if you have a warm color palette, you need this light source in your room that would be sort of more pink and accentuate those tones. Or if you have a cooler light or color palette, use this light source for sort of the more green and, and cooler colors. Um, so it's all yeah, it's sort of multi-layered uh, to address all these little bits and pieces that eventually make up the entire visual output. Will you ever be able to standardize this or is it going to all depend on the type of fixture? Because I'm going to select all this stuff and then you're going to say, here's your fixture or here's your source. You say source or fixture or part I, or what yeah, is it? I would say for now, I would say source. It would be an LED replacement lamp uh, as okay. I guess as things sort of move towards more integral modules for the home, the home which are starting to happen. Uh, yeah, those could be involved too. Right now, I only have normal uh, uh E26 base types, but that could also mm -hmm. be expanded. It's just, yeah, still sort of in the conceptual phase and then also need to do a lot more rounds of experiments to really nail down um, the sort of brackets that the metrics fall into um, and figure out exactly how robust those categories are. So are you doing this? Are you doing this solely on your own? Is this for fun? Uh, yes. Well, I mean, Fun. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yes. Um, started. Yeah. So I graduated a year ago and have sort of just been slowly ticking away at it into, since then. Um, and have just had the graduated and already you're a guest on the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast. Wow. You really <laughs> made it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I've had the opportunity to sort of share share the, the idea here at a couple other uh, venues. So I've gotten some nice good feedback and ways to move forward. Mm -hmm. And um they all seem interesting, so I just keep going. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I want to ask you um, about the thesis prize that you were awarded, the Richard Kelly grant for this work. Is that what's? Tell me about IS, yes. the obviously Illuminating Engineering Society of New York City thesis prize. So people were like, mm -hmm. in the lighting community, were like, "Wow, this is good stuff." How did yeah, you? Yeah. So part, did you submit Parsons to something? No, Parsons, um, uh, the new school for design in New York City, presents that award uh, every year the, on behalf of the IES New York City. So they're um, of the three thesis studios. There's just there's someone chosen to sort of represent uh, the IES NYC. So I was awarded uh, that that prize and got to uh, give a presentation to sort of IES NYC members. 
Um, and then also, because I won that, I was uh, able to present at last year's IES annual conference as a paper presentation, which was very helpful and how I got my job now. Um, and then, yeah, so then I just, just applied. I did have to apply for the Richard Kelly grant, um, and that was just awarded uh, beginning of August. So that, that, uh, that grant is hopefully to help me continue this work with some funding. Uh, and have have some funding opportunities to to do the next round of experiments, put some more time into this. Hopefully, you know, develop an actual tool. Yeah. You know what I when I'm sitting here thinking to myself, I'm rolling my head back. Like, why there needs to be government money from that for this is unbelievable to me. Like, if I was if I was a like a and in, like, if I was like an investment, what do you call those guys? You know what I'm talking about those investment banker guys. What a, venture you know, capitalist. Venture, venture capitalist. Yes. Yeah. If I was a venture capitalist, I'd be all over you like white on rice. Yeah, people have told me to go on Shark Tank, but I just want to do it myself. I don't know. Uh, the, I could certainly use the money if, if anyone's watching, um, <laughs> but. Um, yeah, it's so it's not the Richard Kelly grant is just a, a personal uh, fund that comes comes from a like it's a scholarship fund basically, so no government money luckily. Um, mm. But yeah, the uh, for right now money is not our biggest problem, which is mm. a good thing to say. I just need manpower. I need time to do do the work and look into everything at a sort of deeper level. There's a lot, lot that still needs to be done still and a lot that could be improved upon. And I think hopefully in, I don't know, a few years maybe, this would actually help some people. Oof. Jessica Collier. Did I get the yes. last name right? Collier? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Boom. Thank you for being a guest on the Get a Grip Online podcast. You're now a friend of the yeah. show, official friend well, of the show. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Our Thank pleasure. You. Thanks. <laughs> K-U-R-T-Z-O-N dot com, Greggy! Kurtzon.com! That's right. And today we are talking about their 2x2 two two and 2x4 two LED retrofit Their specification kits. grade 2x2 two two and 2x4 two LED retrofit That's right. They, they fit in all of their existing fluorescent fixtures that are specification grade. And in addition, they fit in all competitors. Mm. So if you need an LED retrofit kit, and you want to go with a company that you can trust that's been around for over 100 years and will be around for the next 100, Kurtzon's the one. They also have partnered with Bile for circadian rhythm lighting. They're going to be at the LED Specifier Summit in Chicago on November 13th. They're based in Chicago, so that makes it convenient. And they have a new website coming out with new products in 2020, so be ready for that. Andrew Koch running that show at Kurtzon.com. That's K-U-R-T-Z-O-N.com. Thank you, Andrew, for your specification-grade contribution to this industry. This is what we need right now. We're going to refocus this thing. We're going to focus back on quality of light. We're going to focus back on the experience of the of the person under the light. Lumens per watt, El Cheapo. El Cheapos are out. Get the bean counters out of here. No more bean counters. We want to have quality light for people. We want quality light sources. So you got to go to Kurtzon.com for that. K-U-R-T-Z-O-N.com, baby. Kurtzon.com. And, of course, the National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors. That's right. We're setting up a 
Government Relations Committee down at the National Association of Innovative Lending Distributors. And we need more members. We've got to get a voice to all right, the, 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 the place that funds the Advanced Lighting Research Team at Pacific Northwest National Laboratory, the Department of Energy. So we want to send them a couple letters and, and tell them what we think from the trenches, the lighting industry. Hopefully they care. We don't know yet, but we won't know until we tell them. Ain't that right, Greg, Eric? That's right. We're getting close, and we're going to bring it for sure. For sure. Greg, Jessica, what a wonderful time we had with her. Yeah, it was great. I'm excited for what she's developing and look forward to seeing where it will uh, go in the future, hopefully somewhere. Yeah, you know, what's interesting is that she's uh, she might be tackling the most difficult problem in the world. Converting lighting nerd jargon into real language. That makes sense for people. I think it's more like this. Creating sense or to something that is imperceptible or, or we don't understand yet. Like giving, bringing, um, like she's, she's landed on the shores of a jungle and she has her machete out and she's whacking away trying to find her way to the, the place. It's a tough job, but if she pulls it off, man, that's a Nobel Prize for my, my, in my books, man. Yeah. Come on, man. We're creatures of the light. You're creatures of the light. We are stardust. We are golden. We are billion-year-old carbon. Come on, man. Crosby, Stills, and Nash and Young. No, that's not Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. No. What's her yeah, name? The Canadian yeah, girl. What's the Canadian girl's name, Scotty, that, that sung that song? Mm. It's not Crosby, Stills. They, they covered it. Oh, they covered it. That's a cover. Yeah. Uh, okay. Joni. Joni, Joni Mitchell. Mitchell. Pave oh, Paradise, sure, yeah. put up a parking lot. That's a Joni Mitchell song. That's the first time I've ever got you on Who Wrote a Song. Oh, you have got me. And well, you got it recorded. Delete that. Oh, that's the first story. time. Yeah. That's Dang the it. first time. I've been wrong every other time, except for that time. You won that's, that one? I'm going to look it up. Oh, you look that up, bud. You go ahead and look that up. That's, a, that, yeah, that's, that's at least a Heineken. At least a Heineken <laughs> up my sleeve now, bro. I think that might sure. be a full-blown uh, dinner. Folks, I don't know what we're doing right now, but we thank you for listening. And uh, we enjoy doing this, and we're glad that it's popular. And what a wonderful thing that Jessica's actually listening to the show. I can't believe that, dude. That's so humbling. The song's called Woodstock. It's not the parking lot song that you mentioned. No, I, I just Mitchell said the girl that it. sung that song, the girl that oh, sung okay. that song, Joni Mitchell, Fine. wrote Woodstock. 100% right. You win but, once. Once. But isn't that humbling? That, to me? You know, yeah, that Jessica, uh, yes, to you for the song, but also that <laughs> yes. I can't believe like people like Jessica Collier <laughs> listen to our show, man. That's super awesome. I can't believe that. Yeah, that's so wonderful. For sure. So thank you, Jessica, for listening and especially for coming on and sharing your knowledge with us. We really, really appreciate it. So but for right now, we're out. This we're gone. See you later, folks. Written on the rectory wall, there's a sign there for all. You are lost, Lord is there to find you